the Brothers in Kayfabe. For over two seasons, the revolutionary force in brotherly kayfabe entertainment. And now, Pro Wrestling and Being a Good Brother present the Brothers in Kayfabe. From the giant poker chip at Double or Nothing 2012, I am one of your aforementioned brothers in kayfabe, Gigante Kinzerkeel, also known as Jake. To my right in the StreamYard studio is Mr. Rasslin, Lena Bumgarner. As always, it is my great honor and my great pleasure to be here, right here, nowhere else but here, on the Brothers in Cafe podcast. Jake, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. It's been a it's been a really good Memorial Day. We're recording on Memorial Day, so we want to take a moment to you know thank those that have we have lost and remember those who have we have lost. Uh, overseas and fighting for us it's a very a special day um just want to remind everyone that today's not a day to thank your veterans i always thank your veterans but today is a day to thank those that we have lost for paying the ultimate sacrifice to keep us free to keep us able to do what we want to do um including podcasting about professional wrestling that we watched last night so, um, but yeah, it's been great. Uh, started the day with a small honeydews list and uh, got them done. We're getting Moxley's room ready to go. Uh, we're under 100 days until Moxley. I mean, the build is on to Moxley. All right. So, uh, countdown to Moxley. Amanda's watching YouTube videos on how to braid hair so that she can. You know, do something other than a high pony or a or a bun. Um, but uh, you know, it's it, it was great. We we installed a ceiling fan in the baby girl's room and um, just kind of relaxed. Uh, took a two hour nap in the middle of the day, which does not happen often. In fact, you got a little bit of that left over right there. But uh, yeah, man, it, it's been a great day. How are you doing today, Landon? I am. Doing great. Last night was a long night with Double or Nothing. Man, yes, like a, we'll talk about it later, but a five and a half hour pay per view, not including the pre show. Um, it was it was a long night. Uh, got together with some friends. Really haven't been able to hang out with them. Uh, really ever. Um, but there was a unexpected wild run-in by one ghost. A former host, that is, that normally is not contacted unless a seance or a Ouija board has been used. So it's been it's been a great weekend. Today, Memorial Day, it's been a great day. My wife and I have both been off work, and it's just been very peaceful. We slept in. We ate brunch. Watched some... 
TV for a little bit and then took like a three and a half hour nap. <laughs> and here we are. So I love it. It's been a great day, Jake. Yeah, we've we've kind of had a similar day. Like we just kind of relaxed and uh, Amanda made some uh, pigs in a blanket. When we woke up, my in-laws came over for a couple hours to help put up that ceiling fan. And um, yeah, I love it. I love days off, especially when you can just spend it with your spend it with your wife, your kids, you know, just sit at home and relax a little bit. Um, I'm glad you had a good weekend. It's 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 always good to see friends, especially um, the ones we miss like Jimbo, Jimmy Jam, Triple J. All of the above, I, you know, miss that guy. But, uh, you know, there was some really good wrestling that happened this weekend. Um, and we were going to have a guest today. The scheduling gets off. It's just been weird scheduling. It's trying to, you know, getting around people's work schedules and everything and it being a holiday weekend. Um, as of right now, Gatekeeper will be back and he will be uh, tentatively for June 12th. Um. Next week, uh, a little bit of housekeeping before we really get started. Next week, um, Landon, will, will you be here next week? I know you're going to, to camp. I will be uh, gone from Saturday to Friday. Okay, so next week will most likely be El Gigante and possibly, possibly Roger Stokes. Ooh. And ah. first time guest, local professional wrestling superstar, Malik Mayfield. One Whoa. half of Chosen Influence will be on. Um, really excited. He's a good brother. Really enjoyed talking to him in private. Uh, really climbing up the ranks. And uh they, the current NCWO Tag Team Champion, as well as the current All-Star Pro Tag Team Champions, Chosen Influence, will have one half of them in the building. And uh, can't wait. Can't wait to have them. Speaking of NCWO, don't forget, July 16th, the J.I. Stipe Center in McAllister, Oklahoma. Heat is on. Brought to you by NCWO. The doors open 5 p.m. for VIP. VIP is sold out, ladies and gentlemen. Sold out. General admission is still available. 5.45 doors open for that. $10 admission for general admission. I would mention the VIP price, but sold out. So uh, too late to get VIP tickets, but there's not a bad seat in the house, as Landon is about to find out, because... The brothers in kayfabe will be there. And Landon, what will we have at NCWO? If you are watching live, you will see our first ever trading card that will be there. And if you notice, if you look, there are two slots for two signatures. That's right. This is not only our first card, but it is a dual autograph card. So... That means you get both of our John Hancocks at once. It'll be a great time to meet us. We'll also have some other merch that you're just going to have to show up and see. We've kind of hinted at it. There might be some physical media merch there. There could be, I don't know, action figures. There could be other cards. There could be 8 by 10s all this fun stuff and more. 
But folks, not only do you want to be there for gimmicks, you want to be there for some quality local wrestling that you should be supporting. Once again, that is July 16th. Be there or be square. It's going to be a fun night. It's going to be a really fun night. We're going to be there. Uh, Friend of the pod, Johnny Cove, is going to be there. Our guest that was supposed to be here tonight, Gatekeeper, will be there. Uh, And then when you're looking at the poster, you see our guest for next week right here on the left side of the screen. The one half of Chosen Influence right here, Malik Mayfield on the right of that part. Landon, um, it's going to be a lot of fun. I, I'm I'm very excited about it. We're going to be going live from there uh, with the with the uh, live show, kind of getting getting some interviews, talking to some folks, uh, doing some vlogging. It's going to be it's going to be a really fun night. It will be. It's going to be great. Um, and we've talked about it before. But just a reminder, our own Gigante in residence will be on commentary that evening. So you will want to listen to the replay. You'll want to watch those videos once they are live so you can hear his smooth, enticing voice that perks up your ears and makes you want to pay attention to what's going on in the ring. But you'll also want to shake his hands get a couple of gimmicks and brother out a little bit. So I'm, I'm excited. It's going to be fun. It's going to be a brotherly road trip. It's going to be good. Yeah. Maybe just maybe we can convince the king of the Patreon himself to show up as well. I have confirmation that he has put it down on his calendar. He was originally going to be somewhere else. That somewhere else got canceled. Um, so full steam ahead at heat is on July 16th. It sounds like it's going to be me, Landon and Roger riding down the road, old style. Might just see if, uh, there's anyone else that wants to join and, uh, do it brotherly style. Maybe with a case of beer in the back. We don't know. We don't know. Um, but yeah, man, it's going to be great. It's uh it's a it's it's an interesting drive out there. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah, we'll have to hit up the Walmart. We'll, we might we might plan a little bit early so we can uh hit up the Walmart on the way out there and uh look for some gimmicks and you know just make a day out of it. So um with that being said, we are going to come to our Next said segment, which is essentially the news. And the news is brought to you by the one, the only. Are you spending too much on your mortgage? Well, job out to interest rates no more. Call Shawnee Caulfield at GRC Residential and Commercial. Shawnee has the commitment to customer service that can't be beat. Let Shawnee recruit your mortgage business and find out what thousands of others already know. Shawnee can save you money. So call Shawnee Caulfield at 516-708-4900 or visit him at greenrivermortgage.com. NMLS ID number 180-5234. Equal housing lender. 
Call for additional cost information. Other restrictions may apply. And once again, thank you to our good brother, Shawnee, and all that he does for us. And folks, if I were you, I would rewind and listen back to that ad because, man, Shawnee is a good brother. I'm going to reveal a little secret, okay? Secrets of Pro Wrestling Exposed live here on the Brothers and KFA podcast. My wife and I only, I'd say only two people know that we went and toured our first house this past Ooh. weekend. It was, it wasn't uh, on our radar to do, but we had a good brother and good sister say they were listing their house. And so it was a very impromptu, hey, let's go look at it real fast. And the whole day, the whole 24 hours as I was trying to figure out, okay, how do you get a house? How do you get a loan to get a house? How do you figure out all these logistics? I kept thinking, man, I wish Shawnee was set up in Oklahoma because I would love to give Shawnee my money and my business because Shawnee will take care of you. So Shawnee, thank you for sponsoring the pod. I will say this. Um, a little birdie has told me that he is working on getting uh, his license here. Um, his whole plan is to eventually reach out in the entire United States. So I would reach out to Shawnee. And if you want a home loan and you're here in Oklahoma, um, reach out to Shawnee, see if he's gotten that accreditation yet. And uh, most likely... Uh, he has probably already started the process, if not gotten it done. So um, I would I would reach out to Shawnee. So, and Shawnee's a man of his word. Shawnee does Shawnee does a lot of uh, crazy things, and the guys the guys an amazing amazing brother. Uh, you know we couldn't do a lot without him. So um, that being said, we are going to move on to the first order of business and all of this started happening you know after we released the program last week um you know MJF comes out on dynamite and he is in the HBK ref gimmick with the short shorts and a Burberry ref shirt but you know he does his job and you know they build to double or nothing and then somewhere after that, communication kind of breaks down between him and AEW. Um, mm -hmm. I know all of you have heard this story, and whether or not it was a work, whether it was a shoot, we'll never know. Um, it sounded a whole lot like shoot. Uh, yeah, given recent interviews that MJF has done the last couple of months, he is making it clear that when his contract is up, it's all about the almighty dollar. Now, yeah. if you've been paying attention to MJF's career pre-AEW, he has made it very clear that his plan is to be in WWE one day. WWE is what he primarily grew up fixed on. You know, he wants to be a megastar. He wants to make the most money he can make in the game. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's been widely known that last couple of months he isn't happy with his current contract because he feels like he should be making more money than what he's currently making. Although his contract isn't officially up until 2024, 
It seems like some recent negotiations have gone really, really rough. Yeah. um, Let's just start this out with uh, his in-ring work and his mic work is worth every penny he asks for. Mm -hmm. The guy is the top heel in wrestling right now. With second to none, second to none. I mean, his ability to work a crowd and he works the gimmick outside of the ring. He's he's not matched by anyone. That being said, it's starting to sound like he has an attitude problem. Um, And we talked about this a couple weeks ago. And. He is doing things in a way where he's not going to get signed with WWE. Yeah, he is, you know, we spent a lot of time last week talking about how Sasha and Naomi are and how, yes, you should always bet on yourself, but there are better ways to do that and there are worse ways to do that. And... Absolutely, like MJF deserves more money that he's getting. I think Tony should recognize him for the asset he is. But you also have to remember how young MJF is in this business. Yes. And, you know. He's essentially on a rookie contract. If you were to put it into sports terms, he is on the contract that, like, Baker Mayfield is getting ready to be up on. Yeah. And if he blows this opportunity and because you might be thinking well like if mjf leaves AEW, there's no way wwe won't scoop him up and you know they're probably gonna let's say if he's done with AEW, they're probably gonna try and scoop him up but he might shoot himself in the foot with the money that he's worth if they're like hey this guy seems like he's gonna be a headache to work with And so it's one of those things like, man, like, yes, you're worth money, but you don't want to, you don't want to be in, and you don't want the Austin Aries reputation to where you know your worth, but the way you communicate your worth to everybody else, it's like, man, like, I'd I'd just be cool if this guy doesn't work here. Uh, And that's a good way to point it out. I mean, Austin Aries is a guy that nobody wants to work with anymore. There's a reason why he's with Control Your Narrative. Like, yeah, uh, he only hey, guys I mean, that are like him want to work with him. Uh, look at Braun Strowman. Like, the way he was like, hey, I know my worth. This is what I was getting paid in WWE. If you want me on your little indie show, you got to pay it. And everyone's like, no. cool, you're not worth that money. Like, I don't know how you convinced WWE that you were worth that money, but you're not worth that money. Oh, look at him. He's huge. And it's just like, hey, just because Triple H signed you doesn't mean anything. Ah, so much beef. Yeah, you know, and so with with MJF, you know, the story is this, is that uh, Tony is willing to pay him the money, but he's got to sign a longer contract. Um, Mm -hmm. That's how contracts work, buddy. Like, yeah. You want more money, you sign an extension. He doesn't want to do that. Um, He wants to be a free agent in two years, which is why if 
I'm Tony Khan. I'm not paying him the money. Like, uh, okay, we can revisit this whenever um, your contract is up. Uh, and and that, like, I'm glad you said that because that's, I think the people that are like, well, MJF should be able to do what he wants and should be paid more. Yes, but you have to understand from a business perspective, like where Tony is and it's like, Hey, like I'm not going to invest all this money in you for you to turn around and leave immediately. Right. And likewise, it's like, you know, you also can't, you know, remain the same pay and expect to keep him. But also it's like, Hey, if you're dead set on leaving when your contract is up, then I'm not going to pay you much more. But also, he signed that contract knowing the terms. Mm-hmm. MJF knows he's the best. He knows he knew he was the, from day one, and he's shown it. But, like, he signed those terms knowing how long the contract was at, and he's talked about it plenty of times that he was, uh, no matter what, he was shopping around at that, at that point, whenever the contract is up. So why not continue to make yourself the biggest heel in the company, in the, in the, in the industry. And then in 2024 say, okay, it's 6 million, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever it is, 2 million a year, what, whatever that number is, someone's going to pay for it. Yeah, but then whenever you go around, and this is where the the differing, this is where it differs from the Sasha Banks uh, situation for me, because Sasha's has proved her worth. She's been there through multiple contracts, and she's proved her loyalty a lot of the time. And it's not always been a, well, I'm just going to go work at the other place. Mm-hmm. It's always been a. No, I deserve better booking than this. I'm not going to leave your company, but, you know, except for when she did ask for her release and they, you know, made amends and all of that. And I fully expected her to, you know, work out her contract if if asked. But MJF, from the sound of it, is just going to sit the rest of his contract out. That's that's the way it is seeming. Um, I mean, we'll talk about it a little more once we actually discuss Double or Nothing, but that's the... Yeah. I mean, that was the, the vibe of the match itself. But, I mean, the last... I'd say, you know, the last three or four days, it has been really... Intriguing because there were rumors, but then this weekend when he no-showed FanFest and then somehow the ticket information was leaked that a flight was booked from Vegas to New York. Sean Sapp uh, made comment that he's his guy has told them that he booked it out of there. And um, I... I fully believe that MJF booked a ticket. I fully believe that. Um, did he ever have intentions of actually getting on the flight? 
I would say it's probably 75% he wasn't going to get on the flight. Mm-hmm. I don't think it was really ever too high of a percentage that he was going to get on that flight. I think right. 25% would be the max. Um, not to say max, but uh, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. It's just It's just a weird situation where he booked the flight and pretty much all night, nobody knew where he was. Now, the the good brother in me wishes that it was the same situation as Samoa Joe where there was a booking uh, miscommunication and he wasn't there because of it. And MJF being the heel and the businessman he was, he's like, well, I'm just, hey, it's not my fault they screwed up my schedule. I'm going to take this and I'm going to turn it and be to what I want. But, you know. Given recent comments and given just his actions, I wouldn't put him past him to be like, no, like, I don't care if I'm booked or not. If you're not doing what I want, not going to do it. I'm hoping, you know, the mentors that he has had in this business, um, you know, with both Pat Buck and Brian Myers, that they have been trying to talk some sense in him because I mean, we could say it a hundred times. He's worth the money that he's asking for. Yeah, absolutely. But a rookie is a rookie. Because who's to say, you know, who's to say that he doesn't just want to retire once his contract is up because he's got us, you know, he scratched the itch metaphorically and that he is done. And you don't want to pour all that money for him to be like, hey, like, I'm good. My bank account is good. I'm going to retire and just cruise the rest of my life. He's not that type. I know that he has more aspirations than that. But, you know, it it's kind of funny. You bring up Pat Buck, and we'll talk more about the uh, match here in a second. But he Pat can Buck, stay retired like Pat Buck. Pat Buck was the first person on the scene after the match was over. Mm-hmm. I was like, I popped because I was like, oh, Pat, a Pat Buck sighting. Like, that's pretty cool. But I, I don't know. It's just a weird situation. Come Wednesday, it might be different. I mean, come Wednesday, he might be the first one out on on Dynamite. I don't know. Yeah. Um, hey, money and leverage talks. Right. It always has. It always will. I mean, you look at. You look at, I, I talk about it all the time. You look at the entertainment industry, you look at the music industry, the film industry, like, hey, there's drama on set, or hey, never there's drama never. on the tour. Well, guess what? The almighty dollar always rules, or legal warnings of like, hey, you signed this contract. If you do not fulfill it, like, you're going to be sued for more money than you even made. So it's, it's interesting. I'm, I'm just very curious. For it to play out, I saw a tweet. Who is it from? I want to say maybe it was maybe it was Lance Storm on the whole MJF situation. And he was like, for good or for or for better or for worse, like having this many places to work is a good problem for the wrestling business. And it's like, well, how is it a good thing for there to be situations like this where guys are wanting to walk out of their contract and it's like, hey, yeah. money talks, success money talks. talks. You're not the, you know, you hate your job at McDonald's and your boss is telling you, well, 
you're an employee, you're supposed to stay here, do your job and get paid. And it's like, hey, but I can go somewhere that's a way better place to work and get paid more and you can't yeah. do anything about that. So I'm I'm just curious to see how it all plays out. Yeah, it's going to be curious. Um, let's go ahead and talk to, about the match and then we can talk about kind of the end of the story. Yes. Um, so... All day long Sunday, it was a will he, won't he. Uh, there's rumors that they've already tapped replacements. Even wild rumors like Goldberg is going to show up and face Wardlow. Like, um, but the show started and there was his music. Mm-hmm. MJF music hit. It took him a while to come out. Now, I will say... <clears throat> Even watching the pre-show, they were still hammering MJF versus Wardlow. So it's like, hey, like, they're betting on him being here. Right. So, you you know, they bet that he was going to be there, and he was. He showed up. Um, Like I said, it took him a while to come out of the curtain. Um, But he did the match, short match. Um, Wardlow hit 10 power bombs. It was a glorified squash match after, after he, um, made Wardlow chase him for a little while, mm-hmm. which I expected. I mean, Wardlow's supposed to be your next big baby face. I, th- I see him going for titles next. Um, whether it's TNT or if it's the ROH championship or, you know, whatever it is. Um, but he's white hot. I mean, he's, he's one of the most over guys in the company. I expected him to win in a dominant fact fashion against MJF. Even before all the drama, I suspected that he was going to win in dominant fashion. So Mm. I think that was pretty much everyone's thought on it. Like the only way that, the only way that I saw MJF winning was by the weasel way. Mm-hmm. But also they put that stip in that Wardlow can never sign with AEW, and that's just never gonna happen. Yeah. So <clears throat> unless the the boss comes out and it's like, hey, well, MJF doesn't want his contract, so Wardlow, you get his contract. But so is not how it worked. So I really expected for that match to end and him do it Austin Aries style where he just stood up and walked out. Mm -hmm. I really saw him doing something like that and he didn't. He sold it. Um, They uh, stretched him off with one of the worst oxygen mask placements I've ever seen. The guy put it over his nose and eyes. Um, what what do you got to say there, Landon? Uh, I'm a, I'm gonna talk about this as we're I'm gonna talk about that um, whenever we talk about the actual show. But yeah, we are talking some... about the actual show. All right. Well, so uh, we we skipped over the first match. We'll, well talk was... about it next. We'll talk. Yeah, about we'll it talk next. about it next. I'll say this: the uh, hmm, I. 
I'm trying to say this in the nicest way possible. I was disappointed in Double no- Double or Nothing overall, and here's why. It was a good show. It was not a great show. It did not live up to the reputation and the hype of yeah. the last couple of Double or Nothings. But hey, every every pay per view can't be that good. I told full disclosure. I told Jake earlier. I was like, man, that felt like. WrestleMania last year where they came back after COVID and we thought it was going to be big and then it was just a dry, dry show. Um, And one of the reasons, and I'm not going to harp and be super negative, but one of the reasons was, and we've kind of talked about it before, it seems like with AEW, because there is a higher rate of younger talent that there's a lot more botches yeah. than you would normally to see. That's not to say WWE doesn't have botches or impact or anywhere else, but double or nothing seemed to be riddled there was with a lot of botches. botches throughout. And like that, at unless there's some super specific brand new type of oxygen mask that I don't know about, like seeing, seeing it like that where it's like, okay, put the oxygen mask over his nose and his eyes. Instead of his mouth and his nose, which is, it's like, everybody knows that you uh, breathe through your tear ducts. So, evidently so. Um, We'll we'll, we'll talk about uh, my disgruntle with that. But I I did see a good point this morning of so MJF had to be put on oxygen and wheeled out of the arena, but Brian Danielson was cool to just be left there. (laughs) <laughs> yeah so we'll talk about we'll, it we'll talk about that later but th- that there's a there's a difference there Landon. yeah that ki- that kind of sucked the the air out of it for me one wrestler um, one wrestler was written off tv and the other wasn't so <laughs> one was power bombed 10 times and the other one was bloodied and choked with a rope but it is what it is oh we all know daniel brian danielson is a is a bigger man than you know jf the rumor is justin roberts stopped the emts from helping brian danielson because he enjoyed watching danielson get choked out but that's just rumor (laughs) i will say the the match was good it was solid for what it was i and this is what leads me to believe um, you know, the situation with MJF is a lot more tense than we are aware of. And it's because, you know, similar to, you know, you said you expect it to be like Austin Aries where he just gets up and walks out after as soon as the bell rings is if they were riding MJF off, if it was really supposed to be, you know, hey, once Wardlow catches you, he's just going to obliterate you. It didn't feel as, I don't know if satisfying is the right word. It didn't feel like the blow off was as good as it should have been. And so that's what leads me to believe, you know, part of that is an MJF thing of like, hey, like I'm taking the power bombs. That's it. You you know, yeah. the, the level of energy wasn't there that, I would have expected, um, you know, I don't want that to diminish it. It just felt a little flatter than it should be. Absolutely. Let's say instead of on a scale of one to 10, instead of it being an eight or a nine in terms of like the payoff, it felt more of like a, like a six or seven, 
Like it was, it was still good. It was yeah. just like, oh, like I was kind of. It, it reminded me almost like when Drew McIntyre, like when he wins a match, it's like, oh, he's supposed to be like this big baby face, but like the reaction isn't always necessarily there. Nothing against those guys. I think that's just like the real life tension I think translated to the way that match played out and the way it was received. If that makes sense. I think it did. I think it, I think it caused, it caused a lot to happen in that match and eyes on that match that shouldn't. It caused that whole match to be under a microscope. Mm. And I, I want to believe that that's always what that, the plan was for that match was to be get in, get out. Right. You know, Wardlow destroys you um, because he's been pent up. He's taken all this. And uh, then we get out of here and, you know, all that. Um, there was rumor all day that MJF hadn't shown up to the arena um, when he was supposed to. Uh, supposedly, from what Sean Sapp uh, reported, and I tend to believe the guy usually is pretty pretty on the nose on what uh, is going on. According to Sean Sapp, he showed up right before uh, bell time, and left right after the match um, and went home. And if I'm Tony, that's what I want right now. I don't want sour grapes in the locker room. I want him, I want him to go home, relax, and, you know, get some time off and come back happy, you know, because the grind has been off or... He sits out the rest of his contract. Yeah. Um, so we'll see. We'll see where that goes. Let's talk about something else because we've spent too much time. Do you have anything else to say on the MJF situation? <clears throat> Nothing on that. I mean, I hope Wardlow, I hope it can his trajectory continues to be up. And Adam, I don't want to see him on dark. I don't want to see him on elevate. Uh, what I'm terrified of is, I don't want him to end up like Brian Cage. I want Wardlow yeah. to like Wardlow. I know we've got to go off of the whole wins and losses things. Like I want to see Wardlow challenging Punk for the title later this summer. I like, want. I I don't I don't want him stuck in the stupid you know TNT title back and forth stuff. I like we, you know, as generic as it sounds, like I think now is the time to pull the trigger and push him, push him, push him. I think, I think right now is the time for Wardlow to go on a hot streak. Mm. He wins. He wins. I might even keep him with no music. I I was going to say, uh, I do want to say one more thing about that. Listening to that reaction yeah. shows you the momentum he has and so i think you i think you keep it that way let him win the belt and then he debuts music once he wins the belt or something like that like i 
if you do it right, it's going to get over. Here's here's what I want to see. I don't want to see him lose until he wins the title. Um, I want it to be inescapable that he, the path that the world champion has to take goes through Wardlow. Mm-hmm. And he goes undefeated. Maybe he wins the TNT title. And he just continues to rack up wins. And then he goes, see this belt? I want that belt. And he goes, Tony, this is this is your belt. I'm not going to carry both. And then he goes in and wins the AEW title. Mm-hmm. I, I think he... I think he's the guy that you use Punk to make because Punk is going to make somebody. Mm-hmm. Whoever beats him for that title is going to be huge. And this could be a situation where it's Punk and Ryback again, but in the right spot. Yeah. Um, because... Obviously, Wardlow seems a lot safer than Ryback ever was. He's more over than Ryback was, at mm-hmm. least with this crowd. Um, and seems like he has more, a lot more charisma. I think you take him the Goldberg route where you make him undefeated and he just keeps on rolling and rolling yeah. and power bombing and killing people. And it gets to the point where there's no one else to feed him. There's no one else but CM Punk. And maybe you turn Punk before then. I really hope they turn Punk before then. I think a heel Punk with this group would be great. But uh, we'll get to more Punk talk here in a little bit. But that's where I would go with Wardlow. Um, We missed the first match as part of the pre-show. Uh, I will never not be entertained by Mark Sterling. It was it was Hookhausen versus Tony Nese and Mark Sterling for those. That's that what I I hate, hate, hate. <laughs> like I said, I'm trying not to be negative. I hate that this was on the pre-show, yeah, and not on the main card because I think it could have helped with the overall presentation of. The card. And what I mean by that is it was like this was a solid match. Yes, the time like it didn't my biggest gripe with every match of the night was every match was long. And only a couple of them could have been justified to being longer. Like every we don't need every match on every card to be 20 minutes plus. But this is one like, you know, I'm not sure what the time. Was. There were 13 I, matches on the show and four of them went under 10 minutes. And it, like that's inexcusable. And, and this one only went 520. This was the yeah. shortest match of the night. This one went 520, but it didn't feel like a 520 match. No, it felt it felt great. Like the pacing was great. Psychologically, it made sense. Like it was it, I think this would have been a this would have been great after the MJF match. I wish that they would have put this. I wish they would have gotten rid. 
they could have put the uh, mixed tag match on the pre-show, or they could have put Kyle O'Reilly versus Darby Allen on the pre-show. Yeah. Um, it, both of those were good matches, but uh, this one was better. Hookhausen and versus Nice and Sterling was a better match. And how you have two of your top guys, because Danhausen and Hook are two of their top moneymakers right now. How you have them on the pre-show is beyond me. And like this is this is what I don't get about AEW is it seems they are so quick to build hype and they are so quick to like get people excited and then they don't feel I mean we talked about it last week like cool you won the championship and you're not going to be featured right um it's the same thing like literally how much hype has not not wrestling fans, but AEW and their social media themselves been hyping up. We finally have Hook Housen. Right. And they're finally going to team up and have a match. And then it's like, cool, let's put it on the pre-show where, you know, the people who buy the show aren't even going to watch because it's not streaming with it. You have to and watch it I on a separate location. I understand why they put something like that on the pre-show because the pre-show is supposed to draw in viewers. Um, it's supposed to draw on viewers because they're putting it on free TV. They're putting it on YouTube. Um, they used to play them on TNT too. Mm -hmm. I wonder if they still do that, but probably not. Um, but you know, it, it was a match that could draw you in. Like I am 100% there with that, but it's just, <clears throat> I, I, the like same could be said for Darby versus Kyle O'Reilly. Yeah. And I think that match, which Darby, I love you, but you had the second worst sharpshooter I saw on the card last night. Um, Gosh, I, I, I'm going to say this. I'm cool if I never see another sharpshooter and power bomb on AEW for a long, long time. Unless, but, un unless the power bomb is by Wardlow. Yeah, like I like after that, I was like, man, that's great. And then I swear, almost every single match had a power bomb in it that night. It's like. There okay, were so well, so many sharpshooters last night. It it was ridiculous, but the the tag match was one of my favorite matches on the card because it did exactly what it was supposed to do. It entertained, it drew me in. Like the the finish was great of Hook it beats the snot out of Mark Sterling. Dan Hauser wants the hot tag. He gets it, comes in guns a blazing, is screaming, hyping up. And then he just pins him. <laughs> yeah. I was like, this is perfect. You know, that's that's a great fun match. Um, it, it was good. I I loved it. Uh, no complaints with that match. One of one of the better ones on the card for me personally. Now I'm gonna blow through the next couple <clears throat> ones. Um, and we'll just kind of barely talk about them because we've got a lot of matches to go and not as many times. It's not not as much time. I got my so. Arn Anderson on me. <laughs> Hardys and Young Bucks. Hardys defeat the Young Bucks. This was not their best match. No, it's it, this, you know there's there's been rumors that have come out since says like hey like Jeff seemed a little off. You know he did the weird thing where the match was over and he started walking out of the crowd. And I jokingly, my friend John last night, I was like, hey, is he is he leaving AEW like he left WWE? And he like just randomly walks through the crowd and then comes back and gets back in. Uh, out of all of the matches these two teams have had, 
the way they had been hyping it, especially to where it's like, hey, this is probably the last time ever we're seeing the Bucks versus the Hardys. This was not it. It fell so flat. Um, I mean, someone, what they, someone said it perfectly like this. This was an all-time carry job by the Bucks. Yeah. And it's it's sad. I mean, it's like the the Hardys and their use has been very weird their whole tenure in AEW. Yeah. Um it's like I mean, rewind to 2017 where we get the Bucks versus the Hardys and a ladder war probably their greatest match together. Yeah. And the next night, the Hardys show up at WrestleMania. Like, it's crazy. It's insane. And now it's like, oh, like, hey, this is probably going to be a good match. And then it's like, I got up. I got up, made a sandwich. I was like, I'm, I'm, I'm not really that interested in this. So yeah, it's, it fell flat. Um, as, as some would say, it's flatter than a plate of piss. Exactly. Like, it's just one of those things. I don't, I couldn't quite put my finger on it. It's, it's like, man, it, I get it. You're never going to put the Hardys and the Bucks on the pre-show, but like, this could have been your pre-show this match. This is your pre-show. Or at um, least cut the time, have it, you know, and That one went shorter. 20 minutes. That was the third longest match on the card. <sighs> and it did not need to be. Um, Next match. Jade Cargill defeats Anna Jay. Um, I I liked it. Jade yeah. Cargill's going to be a star. She yeah. already is a star. She is probably their second biggest women's star behind Britt Baker. And we had some good debuts in this match. Um, yes, we had uh, uh, Stokely Hathaway, which sounds like the most made-up name ever, but, you know. Um, hey, I'm here for it. I think as much as it pains me that, you know, if Jade is bringing in a new manager, does that mean Mark Sterling is about to be let go from Jade? Um, it's it's one of those things like I love how entertaining he is. I think it's going to I think it's going to add some more depth to Jade and I think her, he's going to be brand. better for her presentation than Mark has. And mm -hmm. I love Mark Sterling. Oh yeah. my gosh. But I would love to see Mark start forming his own group with Tony Nese and like guys like that, that mm -hmm. deserve the TV time. Yeah. Um, I, I, I would like to see that. So I'm fine with that. Jade is an astounding, uh, she's getting better every week. Yeah. Uh, we also then, had, the debut of Athena. Athena, formerly known as Ember Moon. I had to explain whenever I said Ember, my my wife looked at me and went, Who is this? And I went, It's Ember Moon. She goes, Oh my gosh, that is Ember Moon. Like, hey, I'm happy for her. She's a she's a good hand. Um I don't know what I don't know much else. I yeah, it's you know, gonna you know, when the momentum was starting to build with her in NXT and the once she came up to the main roster and you had like she came in pretty hot and then fizzled out because of injury. I think it's going to it's going to be hard to make it special and get that momentum because what I'm terrified 
And I know I say this very jokingly, but I will, I say it because I won't be surprised if it happens. I'm afraid like, Oh my gosh, like Athena is here. Athena is here. She, we're going to hear from her live on dynamite this week. And then she's going to be on dark or she's going to be on elevation. And yeah. you know, I, um, I think she is someone you could build into a new star. I think so too. But you know, I, I just hope they don't do what they did with Marina Schaffer. Is that how you say her name? Close enough. Yeah. Just get married and change your name to strong already. But like, yeah. Um, but like, you know, they bring her in, they hype her up for three weeks that she's going to, she is going to demolish Jade Cargill. Then she loses and we haven't seen her since. Um, so it's just, you know, Jade is the future of that division. <clears throat> I saw, I'm not going to plug it because I don't want anyone's feelings to get hurt, but I did see a tweet where someone took screenshots of all of the game changing announcements that have been made. And the, this is how they came in. This is where they are now. And it's, it, it was kind of sad, but I have hope for Athena. I think it's going to, I feel better about women coming in right now and replenishing yeah. that division than I do men. So I, I hope for her sake, cause we've seen what she can do. Like, the sky they, is the limit for her. They are starting to build a really good women's division. And I know that's been one of the least. Uh, that's been one of the things that people have complained about the most is the women's division in AEW, and is getting a lot better, uh, you know, especially with people like Chris Statlander and Red Velvet starting to come into their own. Yep. And, you know, it's it's going to be really good. <clears throat> Um, so I'm excited to see what Ember can do over there. Obviously, they're going to have her gunning for the TBS title. Um, I, I think if once, I don't know, it's, I think Jade is another Wardlow situation where I don't know if I can have her lose until she has the title around her waist. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things. Cause I, I there were a couple of moments where I was like, Oh, like Jade might lose it tonight. And you know, a streak means nothing unless it's untouchable. Right. You know, the, I'm like the people who like even Tony Nese, he's like 18 and two right now. It's like, cool. That doesn't really mean much right now. You get to the it's, point to where it's like, Hey, like Jade has been unbeatable for two years, which is crazy because she's only wrestled for two years. Yeah. Like she is. I, she has never <clears throat> lost a wrestling match in her career. And that's how it should stay. And you save that win over her to make somebody like hey, maybe Ember Moon, you know, she she loses, 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 is out of the picture. And then let's say six months from now, she finally gets a title opportunity and dethrones Jade. Like, use that, don't have it be like, oh, like so-and-so beat Jade. Well, don't worry, because we're going to have a rematch for the TBS title this week on Rampage. It's like, come on. So, I, so I'm excited. I'm hopeful. I'm I'm really excited for what the women's division is doing, because the women's division is one of the best divi best parts of AEW right now. Um, and that was not the same thing that they said a year ago. So, yeah. Um, 
Next match, match number five. Probably one of the most entertaining matches of the night. Um, I don't really want to sit and talk about it because there's uh, it was a great match. Um, House of Black defeats the Death Triangle. You get these six people in the ring, it's going to be a great match. I mean, yeah, this I love is, I love this, the Lucha Brothers. I love Pack. Uh, the House of Black is doing great stuff. I mean, this is what this is why we need to pull the trigger on the trios belts. Yes, like. This yes. is what it should be for. I know we're probably waiting for Kenny to come back so Kenny and the Bucks can win it, but, uh, you know, yeah. like, th this this match was good. Um, there were only two, two negative things I have to say, but it was just two botches. One was... Yeah. Uh, they've I can't remember. Maybe they've got Buddy Matthews draped out across the apron and Ray Phoenix goes to do a double stomp misses him completely and then uh Brody King almost had a almost got hurt really really bad diving out of the ring um but like other than that and you know those are bound to happen it tonight or last night was just one of those nights they seem to be a lot more present I gotta um, say my favorite part Jake death triangles entrance oh yeah with little Pinta Jr. I am popping so, up. Oh my gosh. Every time he comes out, I I love it so much. It's so great. It was like this was a fun match. Like this is how you do a six-man tag well. And yeah. it, it was great. It was fun. Similar to the Hookhausen uh versus Mark Sterling and Tony Nice match. Like the pacing was great. It didn't it didn't feel long. The, the, much better than the Bucks and the Hardys. It, um, it was fun. The next match was the men's Owen Hart tournament <clears throat> final. Adam Cole, when I saw him come out in pink, I'm like, he's winning this match. Mm -hmm. um, it's a good match. I mean, Samoa Joe and Adam Cole, they deliver together. Uh, I am at the point where I'm turning on Adam Cole. I, I've always liked Adam Cole. But since he has left WWE, it looks like he hasn't picked up a weight since. He has lost a ton of weight. He no longer has any definition to his body. He just doesn't look believable anymore. Yeah. Um, he's still tremendous in the ring, on the mic, uh, all around. But it's just like, dude, pick up a weight. Like, even the young bucks are more defined than you are. Yeah. Like, it, it and this is one, especially uh, if you're going to continue to wear trunks. Yeah. It, it's one of those things to where it's like, Okay, not everybody has to be a bodybuilder, but if you're going to use the term athlete, then you need to look like an athlete. And he doesn't. Yeah, like, and you can say, well, not everyone in the UFC looks like a bodybuilder. No, but everyone in the UFC, everyone in MMA, everyone in boxing looks like a believable athlete, whether that's like, oh, hey, that's a big farm boy that's got heavy hands, or it's like, oh, that's a dude that doesn't have an ounce of body fat on him, even if he doesn't have that much muscle. It's one of those things where it's crazy because before Adam Cole got signed to NXT, like he was putting on size. One thing I <laughs> I talked to a friend of the show, good brother Johnny Cove, about this is one of the things we liked about Adam Cole is, <clears throat> yes, he's a little bit shorter, but it was like, man, he's the only wrestler 
his size that squats. Like everybody else, like they're not just either skinny or skinny fat wearing kick pads. It's like they've all got skinny legs. But Adam Cole, like you could tell the dude was putting emphasis on his legs and he was squatting. And like it's crazy how even just that adds believability. And he just doesn't anymore. Yeah, he he doesn't. Um, it was, a, it, you know, it's a, exactly what I would expect from Adam Cole versus Samoa Joe. I'm going to go ahead and say this. Both matches to me felt flat. I like, can see that. It's like <clears throat> the matchups were great. Um, like the pairings were great. It felt uh, like the the entire Owen Hart Cup to me on both sides has felt like this, where it started strong and then it is kind of just leveled altered. at. Yeah, like um, it's imagine, plateaued. Yeah, like imagine if our boy FTR. If Dax would have won this, how much more oh emotional, gosh. how much more passionate it would have been. I get it. You have the power couple win it, but it's like, okay, what and, is this? Go ahead. And that's where it fell flat with me was whenever Britt Baker won it. It's just like, we'll talk about both matches right here. Like, yeah. This is, what, what are these wins going to do for either of them other than, oh, hey, like you have wrestling's first couple as this the whole the presentation was kind of weird um like we <laughs> it, it just it didn't feel as special and as monumental as it should have been if that makes sense and it was it was a monumental moment that we were even able to have this yeah um but it's, yeah i agree like it's just it's fallen flat and I don't know. There's just it took off really well, and there's some really good matchups to start out. And mm -hmm. that Dax match, oh my gosh, what a great match that was! Like, <laughs> here's a little tongue in cheek. Like, if AEW wrestlers are going to copy Bret Hart matches spot for spot regularly, then at least let the Bret Hart super fan Dax win the stinking tournament, right? Like, literally. And we'll talk about it in the main event, too. It, it seems like the theme is, you know, that's the cool thing to do in AEW right now is you're going to copy not just like Bret Hart specific spots, but like matches spots for a spot. Right. And it's like, man, it was like, hey, like, here are your winners. Like, here's your winner of the... Andre the Giant Battle Royale. Hey, here's your winner of, you know... Uh, the Saudi Super Showdown. It's like... Right. It, it doesn't... And, uh, you know, it was a first try thing. I hope, you know, I hope this is the flattest year and, you know, next year it's incredible. This could have been something really special. I know FDR, they don't want to be singles guys. Right. I just... I don't know. It's it, it's not that it was bad. It's not that, you know, well, they shouldn't have done it. It's just, I it didn't feel as, as special as it, as it should have been. It was still special. Like you said, Jake, like it's monumental that an Owen Hart Cup is even in existence. I just think it could have, it could have been done better, but you know, it is what it is. Time will tell. 
So the next match was Britt Baker versus Ruby Soho. Britt Baker goes over. Um, I enjoyed the match. It was okay. The whole buildup of this match was that Ruby can't beat Britt. And so this is the match you pull the gun and let and get Ruby over. Um, and we were left with two things. Ruby can't beat Britt and Ruby can't do a sharpshooter. That's for sure. Um, it, it, it's one of those things. It like, it, it has to be like, you know, they talk about superstition in wrestling. Like, Oh, this is the night where everybody got injured or this, you know, this is the night where everything that could go wrong went wrong. It just, it felt weird. Like build up to this match was great, but you know, from a fan standpoint, like I'm cool if I don't see Ruby versus Britt again because I, why would I believe Ruby's going to win at any right. other point? Um, next match, American Top Team uh, versus Frankie Kazarian, Sammy Guevara, Ty Conti. This is a mat, a feud that I, I don't want to talk about this for more than a minute. This is a Pulling feud teeth. that this feud needs to be over. It needed to be over a month ago. The only entertaining part about this has been Frankie Kazarian. Yeah, I was literally about to say that the only good thing about the entire match was Frankie's body language the, and, and the stuff and that hearing he said. what he was saying to Sammy. Yeah, like there was a point where you can bleep me if you want to, but he was like, "Fuck you," and then just walked away. Yeah, and it was like, "Thank you, thank you." Like, yeah, like every. Sure, everyone in that match is talented, but it... And it had some great spots. I was so excited to see Paige Van Zant actually make her debut, and she looked solid. She needs to polish up more, but she'll get mm -hmm. it. Um, it was just I love I love Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky, but gosh, kill this feud. Yeah, like it's... You have good hands in this match that... If there was any momentum or any flame on them, it was extinguished because of that. Everyone needs to go completely separate and not interact. Like, I the only thing I want to see out of this, and now that they can't, is Scorpio Sky versus Frankie Kazarian. Mm hmm. I, I will say this favorite part of the match came from JR, who said, you know, if Sammy loses this match, he can't challenge Scorpio for the TNT title. And JR Posse says, that's either a good thing or a bad thing, depending where you stand. And I'm like, it's like, the, I, like I say this jokingly, but I also say it seriously. Like the TNT title is AEW's 24 seven championship. Like right now it is. Yeah. There's no prestige. Like it's time to add some prestige to it. You think of what it meant when Brody held it. And when, when Cody, Cody first held, held it. it. Yeah, when they first held it. And now it's like, hey, it's going to go back and forth, back and forth, ladder match with Sammy, back and forth, back and forth, ladder match with Sammy. back, And it's just like, <clears throat> I mean, something's got to change. Uh, right here. Like, yeah, it has over. You look at the TNT title compared to the TBS title. Night and day difference. I'm not saying every TNT champion needs to hold it forever. I'm just saying either make the title count for something or get rid of it. And that's that's one of the reasons I want to see Wardlow win it. Yeah. Like, he's a good person to have it. Like, 
the the Sammy and and Ty thing, it's just like it's old already. Well, they like, needed to be heels and they're heels. Like, why are they the baby faces in the match? Exactly. It like it's it's sloppy. It's it's bad. I want to move on. Okay. Next match, Kyle O'Reilly, Darby Allen. This match didn't need to be on the card, even though it was a good, it was a good match. Yeah. It was it was a good, it was match. A good match. Um, um Darby. But there was nothing a, behind it. <laughs> no. It's like, oh, cool. Well, it was like it was announced Sting was hurt, and everyone's like, was it because the Young Bucks super kicked him in the shoulders? Like, is that why he's out? Um well, and then it's like, oh, no, it's because Sting has an ankle injury from Kyle O'Reilly. It's like, oh, did that happen back? Like, stage? Like, what, what what's going on? Re- real quick pause. <clears throat> so I've got wrestling app on, and I look up, and it's uh, impact from, like, the Cody era. Like, that first year Cody was out of WWE. Maria Kanellis is cutting a promo backstage with Allie and Laurel Van Ness. What a what different a time. time. What a different time. Um, but yeah, uh, like, go ahead. Like, it, it wasn't a bad match. It's just, why was it so late on the card if there was really nothing behind it? Like, this would have been, outside of the MJF situation, this would have been a great opener, right. or this would have been a great pre-show match. Um, right. My, like, the only things I didn't like about it, other than the story, was Darby also has a god-awful sharpshooter that should never be done again. To right. quote Dusty Rhodes, if you don't know how to do it, don't do it. Um, and then it wasn't his fault, but like all, really scary moment where he goes for the one millionth suicide dive to the outside and his foot gets caught and spikes his head, like comes up short for Kyle, right? Like that was one of those things where it's like, oh, like we may have just seen a broken neck. Um but it's it's one of those things like outside of those two little blemishes, fine match. Just, you know, it would have been like that would be a solid dynamite main event or a solid rampage main yeah. event. It was it was good. It was a TV <clears throat> match. Yeah. One one of the um, better matches on the card, in my opinion. Just but it should have been on TV. Yeah. One hundred percent. That that is a match you use to sell the pay-per-view during the week. That's that. I think that's the theme. Is that double or nothing felt more like TV? It felt like an extra long dynamite than it did well, a pay per view. And this has been my gripe: is AEW has been so good at at building to their pay per views, where when you get to that pay per view, every match has a meaning. That match had no meaning. Yeah, I, I someone joked on Twitter and they said, "Well, that wasn't WrestleMania three. Because it's the third double or nothing, and it's like, man, you think like, you think of yeah. the first double or nothing with Cody versus Dustin, and and Moxley debuting, yeah. And the <coughs> second double well, or like, nothing. This was with, double or nothing four, by the way. Oh, you're you're right, you're right. But you look um, at last year with, I mean, even with Orange Moxley, Cassidy, Moxley and Kingston versus uh, the Young Bucks. Yeah. The year before you have the the best stadium stampede there was. Yeah. Um, you know, like, I, I still go back and watch that match. You remember the excitement of Orange Cassidy versus Jungle Boy versus Kenny Omega. Yeah. Like how hot the crowd was for Orange Cassidy and... Here we are, and there wasn't a reaction close to that on the show. 
And it's not because of the talent or anything. It's just because like the the presentation and the build was just just wasn't quite there this year. But you know what? Not every not every show is going to be like that, so it's okay. So um, next match, one of the better wrestling matches on the card: Thunder Rosa versus Serena Deeb. Um, I am so ready for to not watch Serena Deeb though. She sucks the charisma out of the room whenever I watch a show. And Thunder Rosa has so much charisma, even though she can barely talk. Mm -hmm. But she just, she energizes a crowd. It's almost like Serena booked the show. I'm right. kidding. I'm kidding. I'm right. kidding. I will no, say, like, wrong. The, like, the match was good. You're, I'm so glad they didn't talk before <laughs> or right, after the right. match. It, it was good. I hope they go their separate ways and they're not paired together anymore. Um, Here's Serena, something that was pointed out to me the other night. Go ahead. Sorry. I was just going to say, like, <clears throat> I I liked Serena more in this match than I have in any of the buildup or any of the matches before. Sure. It was like, okay, like, she proves she could be champion. She's got to learn to talk or hire somebody to talk for her. Right. Um, I'm glad Thunder Rosa won. I is she it added a because going into the match we talked about last week going into the match it's like hey I think we need to take the belt off of her all momentum is dead we got a just a little bit of a jump start from this yeah. match so I think I, I think Serena would be a good pairing with Mark Mark Sterling I was thinking the same thing <clears throat> I think I just hope that you know after this match it's not like the gap from the last pay-per-view to where it's like, oh, since Thunder Rosa won the belt, she's been on TV for 11 minutes. Right. I I hope, you know, you know, with her outfit last night, I hope she has a huge title retention uh, celebration on Dynamite this week or something. Right. Like, it's boosted. Um, it, it, it was better than I thought it was. Cool, cool thing about last night is two members of the Straight Edge Society challenged for the world titles. This is really cool. Uh, you know, 12 years later, like that's, just, that's really cool to think about. Dangly um, daddy's next. Let's do it. Uh, the next one, the anarchy in the arena match. This one was only 22 minutes. I thought this was longer than 22 minutes. Yeah. I, I joked, uh, last night cause we kept thinking like, man, like, like they might be going to midnight and every time a match is over, it's like, oh, no, we still have three or four matches left. And we yeah. got to this one, and it was like, man, this is going to be a 45-minute match easily. I loved it. I'm, I'm going to say this. As an ECW diehard, you take the anar uh, Anarchy in the Arena match compared to both of the stadium stampedes. I liked this one the best right? because it felt like an old-school ECW brawl. It like it it felt like a legitimate fight. That's not to discredit the previous Stampede matches, but this one it was like they, they were different. Yeah, like there there weren't comedy spots, um, which isn't a bad thing. But it was just like oh, like this is serious and this is serious fast. I love that they kept Moxley's music playing like the until, first ten minutes of the match until Jericho literally pulled the plug. Yeah, because it was like at first it was like, oh, did they not hear the bell ring? And right. then in my mind, I'm like, and, and I said this to Jimmy, I was like, 
Do you think this is what happened backstage? Hey, 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 Tony. So, okay. I'm watching this movie, right? And Wild Thing comes on. And they're fighting in the bar and they're fighting in the bar. What if tonight we go fight, but you keep the music playing? And it's just like, I like it was, it was fun because for a while I was like, dude, this is just like a, <laughs> this is just a movie fight. Right. And it was great. And it got super violent. Like, R.I.P. Magic Daddy, Daddy oh Magic, gosh. like he bled like crazy. It was like he's gotten way over with me. I wasn't as excited for this match because I thought, I, like, I thought it was just going to be forty-five minutes of a drawn-out, not as good as the other Stampedes, and then it ended up like being the super incredible brawl. Rest in peace, Jericho's hair. But man, what a great um, match. Like, I love this match. So someone pointed out that the <clears throat> them continuing to play the music was a reference to New Jack. Do you know? Yeah. Did he used to play his music so, during Yeah, the matches? thing was whenever New Jack would come out to the ring, you know, his music would hit RIP. And they would keep it playing throughout the match because the way they described Paul Heyman described it is it was like you wanted it to feel like an action movie. Like there's this it. crazy, you know, brawl in the hood going on with New Jack and you've got, you know, Ice Cube thumping super loud. And it's just like. It was great hearing that, like, I hope that's really what they were going for. The funny thing about New Jack is like it was awesome when he won matches. Yeah. Because it's like, man, that like that was awesome. Like New Jack won. It was really awkward when New Jack lost and his music was still playing. Right. But man, um, I, I hope that's true. I love that. I love that Brian Danielson came out in street gear and he just he looked like a vegan. <clears throat> like it just was it was great. I Santana and Ortiz with Eddie Kingston. I'm so excited that LAX is back. Mm. Um, it, it's just going to be, it's going to be so much fun. And the uh, visual of Eddie walking down the ramp with the can of gasoline, like legit looked like a zombie covered in blood. <clears throat> like that Yankee shirt was red by the end of that match. I, I popped so hard. And like, this is, you go back and you watch old Eddie Kingston. This is Kingston to a court. Like, I popped so hard when he started walking out with an old Yankee shirt on. I was like, he straight up just grabbed that out of his closet. Like, everyone else probably bought their clothes. Right. Cut it the way they wanted. You know, Moxley had a special <clears throat> white Moxley shirt made. And, like, ah, Bree, I'm going to wear this Bree, uh, Yankee shirt that I, that I mow the lawn in. Exactly. Like, Bree was probably like, well, I know you're wearing you're gonna wear like street clothes, but like at least get a new shirt so it looks good on camera. Yeah, like and go it, get a go get a good white shirt and and some khakis. And and then Kingston is just like, well, like if it gets dirty, it's fine because I just mow in it. <laughs> so Amanda made a comment about <coughs> Brian, excuse Brian Danielson in street gear, how much he just looks like a guy. Yep. <laughs> like and it, it, it's right. I mean, when he's in his gear, he looks like someone that's going to kick your ass. But, like, out of his gear, he just looks like a guy. And, you know, like, it's not it, like John Moxley, who looks like he's going to kick your ass every time you see him. Yeah. Um, like, had you put the sleeves back on Danielson's shirt, you would just see him, like, at Whole Foods or something, walking right. around in flip-flops. 
so um, that was also probably my favorite match of the night. So it was, and it I, was, it was the one I had l- the least expectation for. Exactly. It, it was so. a good boost. Like it woke me back up. I was like, okay, let's, yeah, uh, let's I was ready to next. go to sleep. Yeah. Um, like <laughs> my wife was struggling to stay awake as we were watching this. Like, uh, there, it, it, it felt like we were overstaying our welcome at our friend's house. And it was just like, but this was fun. It was worth it. There is, there was one moment um, during the match that popped me big time. You talked about JR popping you earlier in the show. Um, when he, I, I believe it was JR that said this. When they, when Eddie went crashing into the merch stand, he said, well, all them t-shirts now are worth more money with Eddie's blood on them. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I loved it. It was a great, it was a great match. Um, the uh, next uh, match. I, I do want to say one last thing. Another thing, and this is just pro wrestling one-on-one. Um, when Garcia is dragging Eddie Kingston by the belt around his throat. And Eddie's just laying there gasping for air, being drugged down the hallway. And so if you're if you're looking at the screen, here's Eddie being drugged. Here's Garcia. And right behind them in the center of the shot are two little kids, like maybe like six and seven year old, just <laughs> watching two bloody people drag each other. And I was like, man, like this is wrestling. I love it. Next match should have been a lot shorter, but I understand it's a three-way. Like, three ways believably can't go short. But um, this should have been uh, a one-team-on-one-team match. I mm-hmm. I love Keith Lee and Swerve together. They, they are really good together. Um, I think the end is near for Jurassic Express, and I... I don't think as a faction. I think they're going to stay together. Mm -hmm. But like the tag reign, Christian being a partner, it's overstayed. It's welcome. Yeah. It's going back to the uh, mixed tag match earlier. It is overstayed. It's welcome. You know, it's not that the people involved are bad. It just, you need to freshen it up. Yeah. Um, I like, I wanted Team Taz to win so bad. Like there were a couple of those near falls where it was like, man, like Ricky Starks needs to pick up the win for his team and then give us team Taz versus Swerve and Lee. Yeah, that would be great. And they're like, there's the foundation of the tag division going forward. Um, so yeah, <clears throat> the Jurassic Express pick up the win. Um, and when that happened, I looked at Amanda and I said, CM Punk is winning the title tonight. There is no doubt in my mind. No one, no title has changed hands tonight. Mm-hmm. I go, CM Punk is winning the title. And so, because I legitimately, I, you know, I really thought they were going to pull the trigger on it, but I legitimately thought, well, maybe this is that, that win that they're going to give Hangman to revitalize his run. Mm-hmm. And, we had a good world title match. It was a good world. It was a good match. Um, CM it, Punk is is still in that age where I don't think he can have a bad match. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. I was just gonna say this this match. I would like to rewatch it. 
yeah. separately because once again, it didn't feel as special as it should have been. But I think it was because we had already sat through a five hour show. I think that this is one of those matches that's going to stand up on its own mm-hmm. on rewatch. Um, I definitely want to rewatch it. Uh, but like you said, the, especially after the last match, um, nothing was going to live up to the anarchy in the arena match at that point too. Um, but I understand the championship change needed to go on last. Like I understand that. mm -hmm. Um, but it was, it was still fun. It's, what drives me crazy about long shows is from my mind, and this is someone who's never been a booker. Let me be very clear about that. It's like, well, what do you want to be the key things people walk out remembering? Right. You know, 10 years from now, when people look back on a show, what are the things you want to be permanently etched in their mind? This show, it's going to be Daddy Magic bleeding like a sieve. Like, Yeah, exactly. It's like, if you want Punk winning the title, like, this is when Punk won a world title for the first time in X amount of years. You know, this is the the 11-year anniversary and the relaunch of Summer of Punk. Like, all this stuff. It's like, then the car should have been built around leading up to this huge grand moment. Right. Because it's one of those things like, and this is no dig at Owen or anything like that. I think if you get 10 years from now, I'm going to say a year from now, maybe two years from now, Unless uh, the Owen Hart Cup just becomes part of Double or Nothing going forward, I think you know, like you're not going to look back and remember, oh, that was the first Owen Hart Cup, Double or Nothing 2022. 20, no. And so that that was my biggest complaint. Is that, I think it needed to be its own thing. Yeah, I, I think Punk versus Page, like it was a solid match. There was some good storytelling in it. It should have felt bigger than it did, but I don't think it's like the other ones where it fell flat because of booking. I think it fell just a little flat because fatigue at this point. You've sat through five hours, so it's like, how do you, how do you drum up that that level of enthusiasm? If that makes sense. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I I liked it. I you know I'm the biggest Hangman Page fan in this podcast. You know, he's he's one of my favorites. CM Punk has always been one of my longtime favorites. I wanted to see Hangman pick up this win, but we talked about it last time. Uh, this is CM Punk's moment to pick up the W. Hangman will hold this title again. Mm-hmm. And Jake, how many times have we said it? Hangman's better in the chase. That's not yes. to discredit him as a champion, but it's like, hey, like, He's been to the top, and now someone has knocked him down. You better believe he's going to do everything in his power to get back to the top. Yeah, and it's going to be great. It's going to be a great ride to see him go back to the top. Um, I will I will say I, ha- I have two negative things and one nice thing to say. Uh, the negatives, um, there, was, there were a couple of botches that... Um, there was one that was recovered well, and then there were two that were not recovered well at all. The first one was Punk is going for the superplex. They both slip and immediate climb back up. Props I to hate Punk. That so much. I hate it whenever that happens <clears throat> and they just played off like mm-hmm. nothing happened. I will say props to Punk for like muscling. I'm surprised he could muscle Page, muscling Page over for the soup 
superplex because it, it looked like Paige's footing wasn't there to launch. Um, and then the one I hate the most, and this is this outside of like Marco's stunt, this is like one of my biggest pet peeves, things I hate about wrestling, is when people are so dead sent on like, well, we have to do this spot, 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 you right. know, and you botch it. And instead of moving on to the next thing, it's like, well, we we can't go on to the next thing until we do this spot. Right. And it's one thing if it's like a game-changing thing. But, man, I hope... And I don't get it because, you know, when he has done it on Dynamite Rampage, it hasn't looked bad. But Punk... I don't want Punk to ever try and do the buckshot lariat again. Because both he, times... He, he said in the uh, post-match <clears throat> presser to for everyone to uh, make sure that he doesn't do it again. Yeah. And it was like, and this, like I said, this is my, this is me, not a professional. Like in my mind, when he went for it the first time and falls flat on his butt, it should be natural psychology for Hangman to be like, oh, he screwed up and now he's compromised. I'm going to start putting the boots to him. Right. Like you. Right. You know, you came charging at me and you tripped because your shoelace was untied. Cool. I'm not going to wait for you to get up to start fighting you back. Like I'm, I'm going to take advantage of it. And what happens, they do a quick turnaround. Punk goes to another side of the ring, goes for the same thing, falls flat again. And it's just like, man, like, come on. Like, I, I would hope between the two of them, especially with Punk, it would have been like, hey, we, we don't need to do that spot anymore, as cool as it would be. Because then it was great. I know they wanted to do it because then Hangman was going to do the GTS. Right. But I, you know, it didn't... It wasn't necessary, so, if that makes sense. Now, the good thing that I liked... So, I hate and love everybody paying tribute to Bret Hart. I think Bret is underrated as far as the little things he does. Yeah. And, you know, the initial, you know, all out of Punk and Darby, spot for spot recreating one, two, three kid versus Brett. It was like, yeah. oh, like, cool. We haven't really yeah, seen cool. that. But now everybody seems to be doing that very often. And it, it's one of those things to where it's, I like it if you borrow a specific spot or a specific counter, but doing it spot for spot, it's just like, it's old. So what I did like, they copied another Brett spot last night. It was, they copied Piper versus Brett. And... Okay, so I saw this on Face or on TikTok, but I did not, I only saw the Piper versus Brett part and did not see... They didn't show the punk and page part. So explain this so, to me. Yeah. So <clears throat> basically what happens, and I'd have to look up. I don't think it's WrestleMania 8, but I need to double check. Um, the Piper versus Brett spot that they copied was, at this point, Brett's laid out in the ring. The ref has coincidentally been knocked out. WrestleMania 8. That's what I was hoping it was Mania 8. Um Piper, <clears throat> because the ref is coincidentally knocked down because Brett's feet hit the ref in the head, Piper gets the ring bell and he gets in the ring. And you know Roddy Piper, like, 
Right. He is not above using a ring bell, and he's sitting there, and the crowd is saying, don't do it, Roddy, don't do it. Brett is getting up. Like, Brett looks at him, like, it's kind of like bracing for it because he's like, it's Roddy Piper. Of course, he's going to clock me with the bell. And then Piper is like, no, I'm not going to do it. And he throws the bell down, goes and puts Brett in the sleeper. Brett walks him to the corner and Brett steps up the turnbuckles and falls over and pins Piper. So Piper's like trapped underneath him with the sleeper. Yes. And I saw that part. And so what Hangman and Punk did was, you know, Punk picked up or Hangman picks Punk up for the GTS. Ref coincidentally gets clocked, um, knocked out. Um, and by the way, this this ref was just super annoying in this match. <laughs> like he he wasn't as like in every shot as like Audrey Ed- Edwards is, but he was very like he talked way too much was my opinion. But that's besides the point. Ref gets knocked out. The belt from when Hangman Page was just raising it at ringside, the ref took it from him, went and placed it conveniently on the apron. Ref is laid out. Page looks down. He sees the belt, connects the dots in his head. He gets the belt, and he's sitting there getting ready to blast Punk. Punk like realizes what's going to happen. Is like still recovering. Puts his hands up like this. Is like, please, like don't hit me. Hangman looks at the crowd. They're chanting, "Don't do it." He looks at the belt, and you can, he's like really conflicted. Says, "No way!" Tosses the belt, picks up Punk. Punk counters, picks him up. GTS one, two, three. I guess. So I'm glad they didn't do the the pin the same way. But that see, like that was a really great nod of like, it's, oh, it's an original way to look at it. Yeah, instead of like, oh, hey, they did the exact same finish where. They did that, and then Adam Page randomly put CM Punk in a sleeper because that's one of Hangman Page's signature moves, evidently, and Punk walked up the turnbuckles. It would be like, you know, like I'm cr- I'm cringing for the day, even as great as the matches it is, that someone, re- someone in AEW recreates Shawn Michaels versus Undertaker, like spot for spot. Yeah. To where it's like... A young buck's going to throw a super kick, and then someone's going to counter it into a tombstone, but it's reversed into a tombstone, and then one, two, kick out. Shawn Michaels pops up. Reversed into an indie taker. Yeah, it's just one of, like, there's good ways to acknowledge the past. Like, wrestling is built on taking from others and making it your own. This was a great example of taking from others and making it your own. Yeah. Fantastic way. Like, Hangman doesn't look weak. Like... You know, he died as an honorable cowboy. Um, yeah. Punk wasn't sleazy and didn't cheat. I was watching to see if Punk was going to come out the heel tunnel. And he so it was, he did not. And so it was just one of those things to where it was like, okay, like, I'm curious to see what Punk does with this. The genuine emotion Punk showed after the match helped add yeah, more momentum and more impact to the win than him just winning did. Cause so, it's like, okay, like there's something organic that's going to build from here. So with this, um, I want to put some Meltzer ratings to this at just the show as a whole. If you want to release your ratings later for the whole show, uh, 
let me know. I want to do out of a 10 scale. Okay. So out of 10, what would you rate this show? I'm going to be, I'm going to say, I'm going to say five and a half out of 10. Okay. Okay. The highs were really good, but the, I don't want to say mediocrity, but the level of T, like it felt like, like I said, it felt like a three hour dynamite more than it did a five mm-hmm. and a half hour pay-per-view. I'm going to be better than your score. Um, I, I'm giving it a seven and a quarter. Um, and what, how I basically got to this is I went in and I thought, okay, this is how many matches I really enjoyed. Um, this is how many matches I didn't like at all. Um, and just kind of figured the, the median in there. Um, so 7.25 is what I give this whole show. It's a good show. I mean, they just have, a lot to learn from this show. Um, and I know this is supposed to be their mania type weekend and everything. So I understand. I understand why it was long, but if we're going to make it long, just have it start earlier. Yeah. Or move back to a Saturday night. What, what crushed me is I jokingly said before the show started, I was like, Hey, maybe it'll get done closer to 11. So I can go to Whataburger. And it ended up, it got done right about 11.30. And then I went to, I was like, sweet. Well, at least I can go to Whataburger and try and recover. But the line was out of the parking lot. So I went home defeated yeah. and tired. Um, you know, it it felt like, like maybe it was the original, was it the original Fighter Fest or Fight for the Fallen? One of those where... It was like it didn't really have a pay-per-view feel to it. Yeah, and I think that's why those two ended up being a TV thing. Yeah. And so this it, it just didn't if this is supposed to be like one of their WrestleMania like pay-per-views, it didn't deliver in that regard, but that doesn't mean it was a bad show. I'm I'm rating it based off of, you know, if I'm rating a res- how I would rate a WrestleMania. Right. With those expectations. If I right. was rating it just as a pay-per-view, like I would agree. I, I would say seven, seven and a half. Um All right, but man. it but you know, it could have been way worse. Um, but there were some yeah. good things. Uh so I'm I'm excited because it feels I hope we saw a lot of chapters close last night. I think so we that did. we see a lot of chapters open this week. I think we did. Um that being said, I know uh, you kind of got to get out of here. Uh, so um, let's just go ahead and let's bring this sucker home. Uh, got anything that you want to say before we get out of here? Just remember, heat is on NCWO July 16th. Get your tickets. VIP is sold out. But general mission, there are still tickets. In fact, I need to get my ticket before I forget about it. Um, it's going to be great. You guys need to go see the wrestlers, bring some cash, buy some merch, not just from us, but from the good brothers and good sisters. There is actually decent merch. It's not, you know, comic sans on everything. It's not just bleeding cowboys. There's a lot more, right? It's, it's going to be a great show. It's going to be a fun show. We're going to be there. Great talent's going to be there. Hey, buy Johnny Cove some brother sauce while you're there. 
buy some brother sauce, bring it to the brothers and Johnny Cove, and we'll have some fun. Um, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Uh, follow me at Kinzerkeel on Instagram. Um, I believe I'm at Kinzerkeel on uh, Twitter. Uh, just by searching Kinzerkeel, you'll find me. Um, it's going to be, yeah, Gigante Kinzer is what I am on Twitter. And then on Instagram, I believe I'm just Kinzerkeel. Yeah, at Kinzerkeel. So um, follow us. Follow the TikTok as well. We have more stuff on the way. We've got some stuff that's picking up momentum. So yes, we do. check it out. Um, we've got some gems on there, some historical gems. Follow, follow the TikTok, follow our Twitter, follow the Facebook page, join YouTube. the Facebook group, the YouTube, rate, review, subscribe, and remember that we can't do this without you guys. We can't do it without a little bit of too sweet for life. Thanks, guys. Thanks.